Hello, and welcome to the DC Insider Employer Update Podcast. This podcast updates you with the expertise and current insight of the Washington, D.C.-based attorneys from the Fortney Scott Law Firm. Each episode highlights the most important issues and analysis that employers need to know in order to understand and react to key federal developments affecting their business. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice on any subject matter. Valerie, thanks so much and uh, greetings, everyone. Uh, Great to have you back on the DC Insider Employer Update podcast. Well, let's just turn right to today's podcast because there's so much going on and I'm really, really delighted to bring back Nita Beecher. Hey, Nita. Hey, David. How you doing? Great. And we're adding this week one of our partners, Leslie Silverman. Uh, Leslie formerly was the vice chair and a commissioner at the EEOC. Leslie? Hey, David. Thanks for including me. We're delighted to have you. and we got the right team to really unpack what's going on. So recovering from the COVID pandemic continues to be the most challenging issue that employers are facing. And the response, ironically, by the government agencies is causing both opportunities as well as uncertainties. So what I'd like to do uh, is ask Nita and Leslie to help us unpack what those most recent developments are, because sometimes the developments are helpful and moving forward a pace, and sometimes not so much so, and particularly looking at the EEOC, the CDC, and OSHA. And of course, that's all alpha speak, but we're going to get into all that because uh, that's, that's how people talk in D.C., I guess. But what are the impacts on employers' plan? So let's start, Leslie, with the EEOC. I know they just recently had a hearing to look at some COVID-related issues. Can you give us an overview as to what what went on at that hearing? Because I know you went to it. Yes, I'd be delighted to. So the EEOC held that meeting back on April 28th, and it was actually the first commission meeting under the new Biden administration. And it was quite a bit of a marathon, really, with uh, 12 panelists testifying and a full commission of commissioners, and everybody got a chance to speak. The meeting, the primary focus of it was on the, you know, the devastating impact that the pandemic has had on certain segments of the U.S. workforce. But the witnesses appearing at the hearing also include two panelists who provided the employer's perspective on the pandemic and the issues that employers are currently grappling with as they prepare for their employees to return to the workplace. Now, not surprisingly, the employer representatives uh, were very clear in urging the EEOC that they needed to have guidance related to vaccine incentives, vaccination status, and other return to work issues. So the commission meeting, part of it was absolutely focused on that. Now, Rather than mandating vaccinations, the witnesses told the commission that many employers are looking to lawfully encourage vaccinations by offering their employees a range of incentives. And the commissioners drilled down on this issue, and they wanted to know more about what types of incentives employers were contemplating. The witnesses told the commission that the incentives could range anything from paid time off, gift cards, corporate swag, such as t-shirts or mugs with a company logo, or perhaps a cash award, which the commission wanted to know, well, how much was the cash award going to be? And they said, you know, about roughly $100. The ironic aspect of the whole incentive issue is that the laws EEOC enforce really should have no bearing 
on employer incentives in most instances, because they only really come into uh, play if the employer is actually administering the vaccine or offering the vaccine incentives in inequitable way. But the employer community would like the EEOC to just come out and to say that. Well, Leslie, you know, one of the big issues for employers is they're looking at the idea of do they mandate vaccines? Can they do that? How does the EOC want employers to handle the religious and disability issues related to vaccines? Well, I don't think that's going to change much. I mean, that's one thing that's pretty clear and has always been clear. The employers do want the EOC to say that they can mandate vaccines, and they've sort of said that in past guidance. But, of course, there are other requirements and provisos. So employers can require employees to get vaccines provided that they reasonably accommodate employees who are unable to get the vaccine due to a disability or a sincerely held religious belief. Of course, there's differing standards under the law for religious accommodations versus ADA accommodations. But that's the current state of the law, and the guidance should not change in that way. So moving on to the real question that I think you raised and that the employers raised at the hearing is, when are we going to get additional guidance from EEOC on this whole reopening issue? Employers made it clear that they are in urgent need of guidance in order to develop their return to work strategies. And honestly, EEOC was quite good about getting out COVID-related guidance under the prior administration, but they've yet to issue any under the new administration. Now, I've been assured both publicly and privately that the new guidance is imminent. And as I said, the employer community has made it clear it could not come soon enough. I just want to double down on that point, Leslie. The timing of this guidance is really critical because what's happening is that employers are making, they're reopening, they're returning to the workplace, and they're moving, the train is leaving the station without the guidance from the EEOC. So they can't just sort of continue to the study, they need to issue guidance if they're going to, or we'll just proceed without them. There's a great report that Leslie has prepared uh, that she really unpacks this whole hearing, great detail. If you go to our website, www.fortnyscott.com, there's a great client alert there and you just click on that and it's a really detailed report. Well, let's turn to one of the other agencies uh, that has really uh, provided some, it, it has provided guidance. Careful what you ask for. You want agencies to give guidance? Let's talk about the uh, CDC. Nita, what's the breaking news from there? Well, in a big shock to everybody, last week on the 13th, maybe that's ironic that it was the 13th, CDC issued a, a notice that people have been waiting for that those who are fully vaccinated no longer need to wear masks either inside or outside. And this completely reverses the uh, guidance that they've been providing over and over again, that the, even when you're fully vaccinated, you need to wear masks at least inside and when you're in crowds. It was interesting that the guidance that they provided actually is focused on social issues. It's restaurants, it's uh, going to ball games, it's that kind of thing. Nothing in this guidance really talks about what happens in the workplace. However, David and Leslie, I'd be interested in your thoughts about that. This has been taken as basically we don't need to wear masks anymore no matter what. And I think the important thing to remember about the guidance is fully vaccinated. And CDC reinforced that. It's fully vaccinated people do not need to wear masks. 
They've pushed back on employers the obligation when they reopen to decide what they're going to do with the non-vaccinated, the refuseniks who won't get vaccinated, or those Leslie was just talking about who can't get vaccinated. Yes, it's so true. I mean, I think it still puts uh, employers in quite a bit of a dilemma. You know, both the OSHA and EEOC, I I know EEOC was caught off guard by the CDC, as were many others, uh, and they both put notices up on their website. And their prior guidance all talks about CDC and what CDC's advice is, but it's very hard to marry this current advice with that and what are employers supposed to be doing? Um, I mean, that's another reason that, you know, hopefully this new guidance will get there. I think it gives employers the latitude, provided they're allowed under state law, to allow vaccinated employees to go without masks in the workplace, at least for the time being until we hear more from the agencies. So we've heard EEOC has their oar in the water. CDC has unexpectedly put their oar big time in the water. And now we have OSHA that was dutifully working along. Remember, President Biden said, issue an emergency temporary standard, get it done by the middle of March. They're two months late on that. They're sitting with a draft standard at the White House being under final review. But in order to issue this standard, which does not have the normal notice and comment, OSHA has to be able to demonstrate that there's a grave danger and that the standard is necessary. So the question is, now that the CDC has said, if you're fully vaxxed, you don't have to have a mask or social distancing, doesn't that potentially knock the legs out from under OSHA declaring that there's a grave danger and that a standard is necessary? That issue is openly being debated. Indeed, some of the former heads of OSHA have publicly stated they think that this completely kills the legal basis, the factual basis under which an ETS, an emergency standard, temporary standard, could be issued by OSHA. That remains to be seen. However, OSHA continues its national emphasis program of enforcement, focusing on industries, designated high-risk industries, and OSHA has now specifically said that under the general duty clause, employers should follow the CDC guidance to protect the safety of workers. So what that means is for fully vaxxed employees under OSHA's general duty, employers are permitted to not require masks or social distancing. So that's a material change we've already seen from OSHA directly in response to an acknowledgement of the CDC. One last thing on the CDC uh, to point out is they do make exceptions for transportation, planes, trains, and buses, having just been on one, state laws, and any other state or local regulations. So they look take that into account. But this is a huge change. And I think the next thing to talk about, David, is to move on. And what does this mean for employers? What should they do now? So let's start to pull that together because we are where we are. OSHA's in the wings. We Guidance is imminent. EEOC sounds like guidance is imminent from what Leslie's reporting to us. CDC isn't waiting for anyone. They're just throwing their guidance out there. So we have the government going in fits and starts. Meanwhile, employers are trying to effect an orderly transition, complying with all these different requirements and changes that every 24 hours you've got to get updated and keep abreast of. The real question is, we're going to apparently make distinctions between those that are vaccinated and those that are not vaccinated. So, Leslie, let me start with you. How do we approach that? 
Well, that issue also came up at the commission meeting, and the employers groups really want to know whether or not they can treat vaccinated versus unvaccinated employees different as they return to the office. So they asked EEOC to weigh in on whether they could prioritize vaccinated over unvaccinated workers in the return to work, have the vaccinated come in first, and whether they could assign workspace based on vaccination status. And those are other issues that we're looking to the EEOC to provide guidance on. Otherwise, they're just going to have to go with their best guess because there is no clear guidance at the moment. And I think that leads into the real issue, which if it's fully vaccinated versus the non-vaccinated, how are you going to decide who that is? We've heard a lot of controversy around this whole vaccine passports and proof of vaccination. But even in Florida, where customers don't have to show proof of vaccination, employees can still be required, workers can still be required to show proof of vaccination. And even EEOC, while EEOC doesn't go so far as to say you can fire somebody for not getting a vaccination, obviously you've got to accommodate people who can't get vaccinated, I think employers certainly can say you're not coming back into the workforce until you know we can figure out how we're going to be able to separate you from other people. So employers do have a lot of latitude. And back to David's point about OSHA, not only do they have a lot of latitude, they now have the burden of figuring out how they're going to protect the unvaccinated in the workplace. And they need to figure out a plan on how they're going to do that. And one of the other problems that I see, as you you mentioned, uh, asking, are you vaccinated or not? You can go on the honor system That's what I think most are currently doing because they don't know how to do it otherwise. You can ask for the vaccine cards. That's a little difficult when everyone's virtual and we're talking about those cardboard cards. It's like 1952 when they gave you your polio vaccination. That's a little card that we all get if you've been vaccinated now. There's no electronic database. There's nothing like that. And more confounding, for about 20 bucks on the internet, you can get a fake vaccine card. So those that have not been vaccinated, if that's your standard of proof, can pretty easily fake it. It makes uh, kids getting into bars while at college look like uh, child play compared to what we're talking about now. But those are the problems confounding them. What my informal assessment from, from a number of clients just reacting to this in the last week or so is most people at this juncture are going on the honor system because, frankly, they're not really in a position to do much else. And I think the honor system is largely what is driving it. It's less than perfect, though. Well, I mean, just to follow up on that, David, though, if someone says they're vaccinated and it turns out that they're not, you can fire them, clearly, because they lied to you. But some employers are going a step further. Uh, We're aware of some employers who've been in the news this week saying that all new employees must be vaccinated that they will not be hired unless they're vaccinated. We may see that. But again, that goes back to how are you going to prove it? So once they get into the workforce, though, and you know who's vaccinated and who's not, how are you going to handle those people in the workplace? So you've got the, the fully vaccinated or able to be somewhere without masks, but the non-vaccinated cannot. Right. So let's talk a little bit about kind of what, what the workplace may look like. So we've got both vaccinated, at least self-identified vaccinated, and non-vaccinated people Leslie, do you think that we can require all employees and customers to wear masks in this environment, or do we have to defer 
to the CDC for those that claim they're vaxxed to be able to follow that? I think that employers can continue to require all employees uh, to wear masks. Of course, that is also subject to the reasonable accommodation requirements for people with disabilities and people with religious accommodation needs. But they could, may not make a lot of employees very happy. And in certain parts of the country, it's just probably not going to fly at all. But I, I walked into a coffee store this morning and it said, we're following the CDC and you don't have to have your mask on. All employees had the masks on and all customers had the mask on. And I thought to myself, well, it's probably not like this other places, but I think there's latitude there. I was just in Florida and you would not believe how many people don't wear masks. And we walked into the resort where we were staying, coming from Missouri, where everybody was masked. And it was a huge change just to walk into it. And Florida is a little different. But yeah, it's I think the bottom line for employers, they can clearly make their workers wear masks if they want to and socially distance if they're not vaccinated. They then have to decide what they want to do with customers. I mean, I think that's going to be a bigger issue. Just one final thought on this. You may be able to impose the mask requirement, but what is the purpose of requiring someone who, if you believe in the science, follow what the CDC has said. If you're fully vaccinated, not only are you safe, you don't need to protect those from non-vaccinated people, but apparently the ability to transmit without asymptomatically transmit uh, is very low also. So I certainly have heard from a number of clients that they understand why they would require non-vaxxed employees to wear masks, but it becomes harder to justify making those that have been fully vaccinated continue to wear masks. Any final thoughts, either Nita or Leslie on those points? Because it's it's just, it's unclear and it's all over the lot at this point. I think we're still a little bit in the Wild West here, and that's another reason why, uh, you know, guidance from agencies would be so helpful. You know, some employers are going to take that latitude with, and run with it, and others are really going to be a little bit paralyzed and paranoid, and, and that's a challenge for them. Um, things like whether or not you can take temperatures of all employees in the future is also likely to change. And do you have to? Will it be a disparate impact if you only are asking the non-vaccinated employees to, to take temperature checks? All these issues really ought to be resolved. And then finally, you've got the whole issue around business travel. Who's going to be allowed to go on to business travel, which is going to open up probably this summer or this fall? I think those are all pretty significant issues that certainly our phones are ringing off the hook about from clients and that the employers across the country are struggling with. Well, listen, thanks guys for a really great discussion on these issues. Uh, we're going to continue uh, these types of podcasts. Now that that initial burst of the 100 days is over, we're on a twice a month schedule, but we will come back to you, of course, uh, more frequently as developments warrant. In our next podcast, we're going to continue the discussion of the return to work and Nita is going to partner up with one of the major employers that we work with, both Greg Till and Brittany Fisher from Providence Health. And she's going to discuss with them how the third largest health system in the U.S. is grappling with these exact issues that we have addressed today. So with that, thank you all for joining us. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, Google, or a number of other services or access it on the website. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, everyone. We look forward to the next update. For those that would like to connect with any of the lawyers from Fortney Scott, please reach out to them directly by visiting FortneyScott.com.
On the website, you can also listen to previous podcast episodes, as well as pick up your copy of the DC Insider Report and sign up for future updates. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.